0: This episode of Bushwitch Breakaway is brought to you by our Patreon subscribers. As always, could not do without you. Love every single one of you. Down to the deep bottom pieces of my heart. Other people who are not Patreon subscribers, I love you too. It's just like, it's complicated with us. We're complicated on Facebook. All right, big episode today. Uh long. A lot longer than we expected it to be, but I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, here we go. Hey, Bushworth Welcome to another week of the Blue and Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, happy Father's Day, man.
1: <laughs> uh, talked with my dad yesterday. How did your conversation go?
0: A lot like this. Dope. Yep. Thought was pretty good. Uh, Big Rangers show this week. Not really. We're sort of... Can we just like admit... Not admit. that We have known nothing for the past like few weeks. I feel like we've... Nobody- spent- Nobody, no one knows, knows anything. anything. I don't yeah. even
1: think Brooks knows. Brooks wrote an entire article that we're going to talk about in depth because it's the fodder leading into the NHL draft. I, I said this on Twitter, and it's, it's true. There are so many permutations for what the Rangers could do this offseason. We just don't know which one they're going to take. We have to – I feel like we're going to have – I want to go so far to say crystal clear view of what the Rangers are going to do after their first move, but we're going to have at least – the first piece of the jigsaw puzzle. Right now, we have puzzle pieces thrown at us, except none of the pieces fit with the other pieces. Um, they're of seven different pictures, and I think your nephew ate six of the pieces
0: at least. Absolutely. Uh it's just this weird particular place the Rangers are at where there's so many different options. Jeff Gordon's holding the bag here. Tons of teams are calling him. He he has a lot of like we could trade Vladdy we could trade Spooner like Zazucarello, Zuccarello which we'll get into in a second like is he staying or is he going? The reports are that he's staying. Like Kevin Hayes, oh Calgary is interested. Well, what can we get from them? Uh, and it, it's it's really there's so many different possibilities that he has at his disposal right now that no one even you're, if you're an expert quote unquote or you're an insider you're really not going to have knowledge of what's going on until until Friday.
1: Yeah, most teams in the NHL have one of three assets in bulk right they either have controllable players that they can move money to upgrade salary cap space or draft picks and the rangers are drunk on all three so if the rangers want to improve their team via the draft either by using all three of their draft picks to take young talent or turning those draft picks into other prospects and or roster players they can if the rangers want to take on bad contracts to add younger controllable assets and or draft picks they can if the rangers want to turn some of their rostered players into additional assets however you view them they can they could also do any of those three things in concert with the other or they could simply do nothing like the the different scenarios that could play out for the new york rangers over the next five days are maddening and honestly it's at a point now where i'm no longer excited for the draft I just needed to get here so I, I can understand to what the hell this team is doing.
0: Yeah, I need it like right now because frankly, yeah. it, it's been a week where you're like, okay, well, maybe this could happen, guys. Like same thing with the NBA draft, like the last couple weeks. I'm following both now. It's like, well, what if this happens? Well, no one knows anything. Like these guys get paid to make these mock drafts and, and they're, you know, do professional blogging and analysis and they're great at their job. But at the end of the day, it takes one person to fuck it up. It takes one team. To really just mess everything up. So that's, that's what's gonna, what's gonna happen. My biggest fear is that, you know, there, there are a couple guys I'm, I'm interested in going into this draft. I would say the Zadina rumors have been sort of strange. Uh, if to say the least, right? You're, that's a surprising move. There was, there's been a mock draft It hasn't been nine for us. And I would freak out because that guy was ranked as a top three prospect all offseason. And to fall at this point, it's like, okay, well, I think maybe. I would love to have that player. I would shit myself, but I don't want to get excited for that because it's not going to happen.
1: I, I, I'm not, I'm not thinking about it. I, I There's so many players the Rangers could get at nine that I'd be happy with. Wallstrom, I'd be thrilled. Boquist, I'd be thrilled. Zadina, I'd be through the roof. Hughes, I'd be thrilled. Dobson would be good. Um, there's so many different options, Rich, to go with. And you were talking about, teams that throw, throw off the entire course leading up to the draft. Thanks, Canadians. I don't know what you were thinking, trading Galchenyuk for Max Domi. But yeah, what's, that,
0: what the fuck?
1: By, <laughs> by, them doing, by them doing so, it throws off everything we thought was going to happen in this draft because now it sounds like the Canadians, not only did they make, in my opinion, what was a poor trade, they, I, I, they got the lesser player in this deal again. I don't know how they keep pulling this off where they trade a young, controllable asset and they turn it into a lesser... Good Canadian boy. Yeah. Not not great, Bob. But now not only are the Canadians going to do that, they're going to exacerbate the problem by drafting for a need. So no longer is Zadina or even Kachuk at this point a slam dunk at three. They're going to take a center. And it, it the Canadians, man. I, I love them. Imagine I said this earlier this week. Imagine a team that had P.K. Subban... Mikhail Sergachev and Alex Galchenyuk, all on the same roster.
0: Wow, that sounds like a playoff team, Greg. It sounds like a really, really good young core. Well, the good thing they didn't sign, uh, you know, their goalie to a really long-term contract.
1: No, good thing they turned those young pieces into Shea Weber, Jonathan Drewen, and Max Domi.
0: Hey, Drewen he like still he playing, right?
1: He have the five goals where goalie was actually in net last year. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh that's going to be a very interesting uh, storyline especially cuz they they're, they're going to take center and I I hate drafting for need of you would think they would drop down right but then you're losing the chance that someone takes your guy and if that's your guy you're going to draft at 3 but it just feels like if you're the Montreal Canadians you're losing value at 3
1: the the crazy thing is I don't I don't really know if the difference between I, I think the difference between Zadina and Yep. The, that guy, the guy whose name starts with a K ends in an I, and there's another K in there, and there's a couple O ends, and a and a T and another good, I. Good, good job
0: Ryan it. Yep.
1: The guy, I'm I'm Ryan meeting this really yep. hard. Kotami, I, think uh, it is? I don't know. The guy we all know who I'm talking about, whose name I will not pronounce, and I'm not <laughs> going I know his first name, I think, is Jesper. Uh let's go with that. Jesper. Yeah. They're gonna take Jesper. The thing is, I don't think the difference between Zadina and Jesper is necessarily. Drastic enough where we can lambast the Canadians for going with the center. It's just the difference is big enough where you should just take Zadina and figure it out later. Like it's not. The- it's not the worst. It's not the worst draft choice to take the center. There, there are other things they could do that would be worse. It's just the easy decision is also the smart decision in this case which is just take Zadina and figure it out later.
0: And, and uh, you know, everything I've read about Zadina is that he's maybe the purest or one of the, I mean, he's not the top three talent, but he's one of the more pure goal scorers in this draft. And everyone says after the top two, it's like kind of a toss-up, but I would say Zadina is the top of, of those guys. Now, do I know anything compared to Drew Way or some of the other guys that, out there who are doing prospects? Absolutely not. But uh, if Zadina fell to the Rangers, that would be a guy I would definitely want on my team. And same thing with Wallstrom, same thing with Boquist. Those, those are like my top three guys. Now, if we don't get any of those guys, I'll probably be upset and I'll probably look for someone to hold me and be like, hey, who should I really want? But this draft, I think will be talked about for a long time because that top group, outside of the top two, seems to be interchangeable. And we're going to look back years from now, and similar to how we looked at the 2014 draft, right? That was, that was Dylan McElrath? Or was that 13?
1: Mm, no, that, I think it was like 12? 2010. It
0: was 2012? I think it was 2010. I'm going to look it up. Anyway, Should. the Dylan McElrath draft is the one that we go back and look at and be like, mm, there was a lot of players we could have took, huh? Really? Yeah, Cam
1: yeah. Fowler. Yep, vlady Tarasenko.
0: Tarasenko, that's a big one. Kuznetsov,
1: uh, um, no and, big deal.
0: And I have a feeling this will be similar. Uh, we're low enough where we we probably won't feel that pain, but uh, I, I have a feeling a couple good players will come out of the top ten of this draft, and I'm just hoping we have one of them.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, remember, good players always fall. You redraft li- even last year's draft class. Healy yeah, Tolvanen thir- doesn't go 30th overall. No,
0: 30th goes like 5th.
1: Yeah, he, he's probably a top-five pick in this if you redraft that entire draft class. Just like Heedle doesn't make it to 21. If if the Rangers really
0: wanted oh, Hedl, they'd probably have to take him
1: at 7 if you redraft that entire there's draft
0: There's no chance he makes it to, to 21.
1: Yeah. so Zero.
0: It, it's, it's easy to Monday morning
1: quarterback drafts. It's just... There are times where it feels like you can avoid overthinking a certain situation. 2010, and by the way. It sure right. sounds like the Canadians are trying to overthink
0: it. Yeah, they, they very much are. Uh, yep. and, good, and good luck, Godspeed, to them, because it actually helps us out a lot.
1: Yeah, I would really like it. I like any world where the Canadians are just continuing to get in their own way. Yeah. Pretty, pretty great.
0: Me too. Uh, let's talk about the Zuccarello news from, from Brooks. Sure. So uh, someone even posted, i read it. I wonder what Ryan Greg think about this. Thank you. Uh, you'll know now. The the Zuccarello staying, at least going into camp, I think is still a value trade thing. I don't think the phones have been ringing for Gorton as much as maybe he'd wanted them to ring for Zuccarello. And maybe it was the value wasn't there. He feels like holding on to Zuccarello for the trade deadline when a team is more desperate. We saw a lot of competing teams this year. We're going to see that again next year where a team's going to be more desperate to get the firepower they need to get Zuccarello. And maybe if you trade him now, you'd probably maybe get even the same value or more at the deadline. So I know Ranger fans are excited that the Super Bowl is going to be on the team and break camp. I don't think they'll make him the captain for the simple fact that they probably know they're going to trade him at the at the deadline.
1: I I don't think he's I don't I my opinion hasn't changed. I don't necessarily believe he's going to go to camp with the Rangers. That's it what is Larry Brooks besides a tool for a front office to use when you really think about it. When you're not getting trade offers that aren't meeting your quota, instead of just taking 60 cents on the dollar, a smart GM would be like, fine, I'll just take my ball and go home. And that's what Jeff Gordon's telling other GMs. You don't want to pay for Matt Zuccarello. I have no problem keeping him. And again, the Rangers do not are not in a financial situation where they have to trade Matt Zuccarello to do any certain thing. And we've talked about it many times how even young teams need veteran leadership in the locker room to help young players grow and expand their games. Jeff Gordon is telling other GMs, look, if you don't meet my price, I'm just going to keep Matt Zuccarello. That doesn't mean a GM isn't going to change their mind once free agency starts and they realize they're choosing between paying James Neal $6.5 million a year or getting Matt Zuccarello for less than five for one year. The tones will change once free agency starts. I don't think Brooks saying in that article that Matt, uh, Matt Zuccarello will go to camp with the New York Rangers means that Matt Zuccarello is going to camp with the New York Rangers. It's just a negotiating tactic. That's all it is. I didn't I didn't react to that any way, shape or form. I, I don't think the Rangers plan regarding Zuccarello has changed at all. If Zuccarello goes to training camp with this team, will Jeff Gorton view that as a failure this offseason? No. Same thing with Ryan Spooner. If Ryan Spooner gets a one year deal, those are two guys. Like you said, you could easily flip at the trade deadline and acquire more assets. Then at the same time, if a GM overwhelms Jeff Gorton between now and training camp, on an offer for Matt Zuccarello, guess what? He gone. Matt Zuccarello won't be a New York Ranger. He gone.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I don't no
1: jack no about it. Of, of the things that um, Brooks pointed out in that article, saying Zuccarello was going to break camp with the Rangers to me was the least significant. I I don't think the plan with Zuc has changed one bit.
0: No, and I, I think that's like you said, a smokescreen. It's all kind of yeah. tugging right smoke, now. It's smoke
1: screen season, baby.
0: Yeah, everyone's lying. Don't don't yeah. believe anybody. <laughs> this yeah. this is negotiation one hundred and one. Oh, you don't want to pay that price? That's okay. I like Zucca a lot. He's a good guy, great player, good for the team, good atmosphere, and you're just buffing his value.
1: Yeah. What, is it, what does it do to his trade value for Jeff Gordon to come out and be like, you know what, I would love to trade Matt Zuccarello right now. Oh, you'd love to trade him? Well, here's poop, and you can give me <laughs> Matt Zuccarello because I'm not going to offer you more than poop for him. Yeah. No, Cause, you, cause never, you, you never want him gone. Yeah, you never say you, you want to trade a player unless that player is like a locker room head case. You're always going to say, no, I'm just going to keep this yeah, guy. Yeah,
0: like, like P.K. Man. got to get yeah. him out of there.
1: Yeah, I'm going to keep this guy unless you wow me, and now a GM might be more inclined to wow him. I, Zuccarello is a guy that I don't think was ever going to move during the draft. He always felt, and I, I know I've said that I've put, I definitely put Zuccarello in trades for other draft picks, but Zuccarello really does feel like the guy you trade because someone missed out on Van Riemsdyke. That's That's really where Matt Zuccarello, to me, Comes into the equation because now you have a, a team that wanted Van Riemsdyk that was willing to pay six and a half, seven million dollars a year over the next four years to get that guy on the roster. I think they 100% would then come to the Rangers and be like, hey, we didn't get our guy. We have all this extra cap space. How do we do business with you regarding Matt Zuccarello?
0: Right. And maybe we could sign him for a similar deal afterwards. We could test run Zuccarello. You know, we're, we're going with he's, – he, he's a similar or maybe just a little bit of a lesser player than uh, – why did I just blank on Ryan's name? Oh, my God. Ryan Spooner? No. Uh, James Van Rienyke. James I, Van Rienyke? I don't know why I said Ryan. Oh, my God.
1: I have no idea. I couldn't help you there.
0: I appreciate it, but I'm back now. Um, I, I think he's a similar player, maybe a little bit lesser, probably lesser, but – uh, it, it's definitely a good value for what you wanted to do, and if you missed out on him, you're going to be able to get and That's exactly what you want as a team. So you're yeah. you're going to be able to negotiate as as the Rangers saying, "Okay, well, I got the piece you want. Give me what I want, which is X, and that could be a whole load of things."
1: Yep. Uh, I again, I you can, w- people can react whichever way they want to how the Matt Zuccarello news came out. To me, it feels like Jeff Gordon has been underwhelmed in offers he's received for Zuccarello. And now he's just telling people, if you're not going to give me what I want, he's going to be a New York Ranger, and there's nothing wrong with
0: that. Nothing. Let's go to the other part that's kind of intriguing, and this is the Kevin Hayes. Well, Calgary is interested in Kevin Hayes. Here's the thing: they don't really have draft picks.
1: A lot of teams are interested in Kevin Hayes. There was just one report out today that said Calgary was really interested. Uh, I don't know if uh, you noticed today, Ryan. I wrote a little
0: piece about this today. I did not get to read it. I did notice of you did it. You didn't.
1: Why would you? That would. That would. That would shock me if you s- gave s- a shit about s- something s- I did for this s- podcast.
0: Supporting you? Why would I yeah. do that?
1: Unbelievable.
0: I did see you posted it because I'm part sure. of that group.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What a friend. What a yeah. guy. What
0: a I meet friend. everybody.
1: Wondering why his dad isn't in his life
0: anymore. Oh, wow. This dark. Yeah, when I was <laughs> two, he was like, I posted this article about the Yankees. Do you want to read why Jesus going to be the future? And I was like, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> and then he,
1: he went to go get cigarettes and never came back.
0: Yeah, it was beer, too.
1: It's fine. Your video wasn't funny anyway.
0: Oh yeah. Thanks, guy. <laughs> Someone explained this joke to me. Was like, yeah, my dad left. What how hard is that joke?
1: <sighs> yeah, well, whatever. I don't listen to kindergartners from Canada anyway. So
0: Okay. Buy out Mark Stahl.
1: Anyway, Kevin uh, Kevin, Kevin Halls. Inside baseball. Uh, it called Kevin Halls. No, I said Kevin Hayes, didn't I? I,
0: I don't know. I don't know. <laughs>
1: oh, Kevin Kevin Hayes. So yeah. here here's here's what I delved into in the article that everyone should read and then you should read it while I'm talking about it because that, that really works out. I know yeah. Alfie really does. So Can we check this out?
0: Blueshirtsbreakaway.com. Okay.
1: Um, so the Rangers are in a conundrum, right? And we've kind of sort of talked about this when we talked about the Mets exploring trades for Jacob DeGrom. Here we go. Connecting it to the Mets. Here we go. All things line up. Oh, okay. When you think about it, Kevin Hayes, 26 years old, he's entering his age 27 season. He's about to sign either a four or five year extension at a very affordable rate for what he offers the Rangers, right? But we have to have a hard and serious talk about a couple aspects here. One is Kevin Hayes' future with the New York Rangers as a center. The Rangers definitely want to see what they have with Philip Heedle. They definitely want to see what they have with Leas Anderson. I think maybe a year away, we'll see what they have with Brett Howden. We don't know who they're going to add in the first round of this draft. They could add another center. We don't know who they could possibly pick up in trade. It could be another center with another team there is Kevin Hayes' long-term future with the New York Rangers at center. And if the answer is no, does that impact Kevin Hayes' long-term value to the New York Rangers? And it it might not. I don't think it's a problem when you have someone who's proven to be a solid two-way forward that has shown he can um, score goals in bunches. He posted a 25 goal season last year, and we still really haven't scratched the surface on what he can do on the power play so in my mind, Kevin Hayes' offensive skill set can still be a little unearthed. Maybe we've only seen eighty percent of what it can offer. But the next question is: If you keep Kevin Hayes, what pieces are you going to offer up to bring in the one thing the Rangers desperately need, which is defense. unequivocally not just not just defense, but they need they need an anchor. They have I. I love Brady Shea. I don't think if Brady Shea is your number one defenseman that necessarily you are in the most stable of defensive situations. No, he could get there though. But maybe- he could. He might. But I just. I'd rather. I'd rather have two number ones than one. Hey, if and you have I'd two rather, number ones,
0: do you have a number one at all?
1: Oh, I don't know. If you have two <laughs> quarterbacks, do you even have a quarterback? Yeah, that's what um, going. Nice job. Yeah, I just I. I want. I don't want it just to be on Brady Shea's shoulders. And I love Neil Pionk. I love Kevin Shattenkirk. But I don't want those guys to be put into positions where their skills are exposed. Um, the only way – how else are the Rangers going to acquire a top-pairing defenseman than including Kevin Hayes in a trade? You have to, you have you to, have to talk Chris about the number nine Chris pick. Crider.
0: that's the other one. Or you, you have, have to talk about was. the
1: number nine pick. You have to talk about Chris Kreider. You have to talk about Mika Zibanejad. You'd have to talk about Pavel Buchnevich You'd have to talk about the other first-round draft picks the Rangers have this year.
0: And if, I, to, if I'm if i choosing between any of those, I think Kevin Hayes goes first.
1: You'd have to talk about Heedle. You'd have to talk about Howden. Yeah, we're not talking about Hedel. Have, Honestly, if you want a surefire top-pairing defenseman, you'd have to talk about Brady Shea. Those are all players you'd have to talk about if you didn't want to talk about Kevin Hayes. It The Rangers are in a position now where they finally have center depth. And they have a lot of it. They have Zibane, Janet in whatever role you want him in. And to me, he's a number one. I don't understand the argument that he isn't. It, for him, it's just a matter of health. You have Kevin Hayes, who could easily fill a second-line center or a third-line center. But at the same time, you also have to figure out what you got with Hedl and Anderson, and you're not going to want to figure out what you have with Anderson or Hedl on the fourth line. That that doesn't really make any sense for their development. So if you have to open up a top-nine position for one of Hedl and Anderson, then you're either moving Hayes to a wing, or why not shop Hayes, and get back the piece you desperately need. Why not discuss, as Drew Way has pointed out, a deal with Calgary around Sam Bennett and Adam Fox? Why not discuss with Edmonton a deal surrounding Oscar clefbaum Why not discuss with any other number of teams, and there are plenty, who are desperately looking to add a top six center or a middle six center who has experience on the penalty kill for a young, high-end defensive player? And it... I. It's not that the Rangers are a worse team if they keep Kevin Hayes. I don't think they are. I just think by trading Kevin Hayes, you're addressing a more pressing need than you currently have by keeping him.
0: Well, I think that's, that's super obvious. I mean, we secretly have a lot of center depth. We really do. We, re- we really do. And I know that was going into last season. What did we say the whole season? Oh, my God. We don't have any centers. Uh, it turns out now we have a lot of it. So, we have a lot. So if, if you know that you're one problem, and even going forward, it's not like we have all these crazy defensive prospects. We don't. We really don't. Uh, if you can nail that prospect down by trading Kevin Hayes, I'm all for it.
1: Yeah, I like Ryan Lindgren and Lieber Hayek as much as the next guy, but I don't think anyone has gone out to say that these guys are bona fide, in-and-out, top-pairing-type players. I think it'll be very good if both finish top four, uh, I think Lindgren, there's a chance you're talking about nothing higher than a second pairing defenseman, and that's if everything breaks correctly. Uh I just Adam Adam Fox has potential oozing out of his nose. Yeah, the the Flames don't have first round picks, but they do have defensive prospects. They have Rasmus Anderson. Um uh they have another guy, I believe his name is Vakamaki. I don't fucking yeah, know. Yeah, Vakamacke. Let's go, let's go with Fox and Anderson because those are two guys whose names I know and can pronounce, and they're the top two defensive prospects in that system. You get those guys plus Sam Bennett, who's a 21-year-old forward who hasn't been necessarily given the full opportunity to showcase what made him such a high draft pick for the Flames not too long ago. That's a bet I take, especially especially for a team who, again – might not exactly be the most competitive bunch next season. We're
0: looking to rebuild. It's not It's not a secret. They literally gave a letter to us.
1: They literally again, like, we rebuild. Even, that's the other thing. We, and people got caught up. I personally don't give a shit what use the, what word the Rangers use. Call it a rebuild. Call it a retool. Call it whatever the fuck you want. It doesn't fucking matter because all that is is, is mouth service. It doesn't matter what word you're going to use to describe what the Rangers are doing. If the Rangers turn Kevin Hayes into Oscar Clefbaum they're a better team than they were the day before they made that deal. Because you're addressing clearly the number one issue this team has, which is defense.
0: Exactly. It hurts, it hurts your team.
1: It hurts your team down the middle, but at the same time, this team will likely take a step back down the middle next year anyway, because I don't see how Kevin Hayes is going to play center
0: for the New York Rangers next season. Which is a really strange thing to say. It's really weird. Uh, it's not a bad thing. He'll be fi- he'll be fine at wing. And no, you can, but he you he really shows center. his true potential at center because that's where he can he can play his best defensively. He can't play as well defensively on the wing. I mean, we don't know that as as much as we would, but I'm just going to go ahead and assume that as a, as a stupid blogger. Um, I I just it,
1: you have to figure out what you have with Hito and Anderson, which means you have to give them room to breathe, and that means they're going to play the bulk of these these games this year. At center, there's a, it's not a slam dunk that both those guys are going to play center long term, but you can't just put a teenager on the wing and assume he's not going to be able to cut it at center until you give him a significant leash to figure it all out.
0: And this is what we're about now, figuring it out. Who's here? Who's our core? Who are our future pieces? Who are we going to war with? And if, if Kevin Hayes is one of those guys, that's fine. If we're addressing the need, which is defense, I'm all for it. Hands down. No problem.
1: Uh Yeah, I just – it's, again, the only RFA to me who was always a slam dunk to come back to the Rangers was Brady Shea. Brady Shea, yeah, it, absolutely. It certainly felt like Kevin Hayes was going to be the next surest thing. But the more you think about it, it's it's another case of you have to trade value in order to get value back. And to me, the easiest, highest value player you can move for the New York Rangers is Kevin Hayes. And he can net you a serious – Paul in return, especially for as bad as the Rangers looked last year. I don't know if anyone came out looking better than Kevin Hayes. So you're not, you're not selling him at his, at his lowest. He's worked his way up to this point. If he wants to stay here at a, on a five by four and a half or four by five contract, by all means, it's not a problem. He's going to help the Rangers win hockey games, but at the same time, trading him might help the Rangers win more long-term.
0: Yeah. And again, you want to fill the need of defense, and that, that's what we're trying to do. So we'll see what happens this week. If Kevin Hayes does get traded, we'll figure out an emergency podcast or something like that. But I have a feeling it won't be until after the draft. I, I don't know if you, you have a feeling on that or not.
1: Uh, I think it happened before. Because hmm. I, don't, I don't think the Rangers are shopping Hayes expecting a draft pick in return.
0: No, I don't think so. Uh, but I think that's why it would happen after. Maybe I'm wrong. I guess we'll find out. Uh, yeah,
1: I, I don't know. Well, that's the nature of the game. Nobody knows when the fuck anything's going to happen until it fucking
0: happens. No, I want to. I don't ask think you.
1: anyone saw the Galchenyuk Domi uh, trade coming. No, well, who could see that coming? Who would who would want to see that coming? It's just it's not a, it, Max Domi could end up being a fine player. It just feels so silly trading Alex Galchenyuk for that player.
0: And that's a player we pined after Galchenyuk last year.
1: We were all about him. We we're actually all about Domi too and honestly gun to my head, I, it's not even like a gun to my head type of situation it's not a hot take to say you'd rather have Alex Galchenya it's,
0: not. it's um, not let's talk real quick before we get to the evolving wild boys uh, where are you feeling on Kobe this week still 100% yeah uh,
1: until he signs somewhere else he's a New York Ranger in my mind
0: i'm less and less by the day it's like it
1: doesn't doesn't surprise me you have trust issues <laughs>
0: You asshole. All right, let's go over to Evolving Wilds, then we'll come back and do a little bit of nonsense, and call it a day. All right, tra- transition. One. and we're back with our best friends ever. That's uh Luke and Josh from Evolving Wilds. What's up, guys?
2: Hey, hey. I, I
0: know this is our first time on the show. You guys are are, are uh, twins. You're in the same room, so that's like a first for the podcast.
2: First twins yeah.
0: and first guests in the same room. So pretty yeah. impressive y- by you guys.
2: Yeah, you know, it's uh,
3: it's just how it is. Yeah, you know, and and uh, as we were saying before, but we're we're gonna try to uh, as confusing as this already is, we're gonna try to not talk on top talk you know over each other. But yeah, I'm Josh. I'm Luke. We're evolving wild on Twitter uh, and uh, at evolving wild. Usually, I
0: save nonsense bullshit for the end, but I'm not gonna do that. Uh, Two things. I have two like really quick questions that are not related to hockey whatsoever. How often do people go and twins when you're like alive? (laughs)
3: <laughs> well we we spend a decent amount of time together so the twin stuff is like just part of our life at this point and we're we're also identical so we look alike um and oh. so yeah so it it and i don't know maybe we sound alike too maybe you can maybe that i can tell the obvious. difference I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I've, I've
0: known some twins in my life i actually know like four okay. pairs of twins which is really odd
3: wow um, yeah Yeah. so we're 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 very used to it so i actually kind of just like lose track i just don't even like keep track but i would say like just twin stuff is a daily thing for us. Wait, so we're very, It's just, yeah, I have,
0: I have two more questions now. Uh, are you a fan of the twins?
3: Yes. Okay. Oh yeah. Good. Got, that, got that out team. of the way. Yes. Yeah. Uh, our baseball team. Yeah. Um, uh, we, my, we've actually been twin fans longer than we've been wild fans. To, if you believe that.
0: Well, uh, this worked out really well for you. And then my actual question, and this is the nerdiest question you've probably heard a million times. How often do you get called a magic card? Like a magic, the gathering card on Twitter, like really often, <laughs>
2: Not I actually surprisingly. Hold on, you mean like in r- respect to our handle?
0: Yeah, because Evolving Wild yeah. is a Magic: The Gathering card. It is,
2: and we actually named it after that Magic card. No, you and didn't. Yeah, we did. <laughs> okay. And there's only one person who has ever really like called us out on it, which is because we are avid Magic: The Gathering players. Yeah, okay. Play so
0: a lot. all right, we're not going to talk about it here, but we can chitch chat okay. afterwards. <laughs> yeah, used, we'll take I, it I, I used to go to a lot of GPS and played a okay, lot. Yeah. So. I would, All right, yeah. when I first oh, saw yeah. you guys pop up, I was like a bobbing wild. These motherfuckers are magic nerds.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, we absolutely are. Okay, well, it's funny. Because I don't know if you saw our. Uh, we had a game prediction model uh through Corsica through Manny's website, and it was called Stacks STX, which was named after yes. the smokestack. Smokestacks sacrifice like, so permanent at the beginning. Yeah, of your Named after four the, mana. What yeah. is happening? Yeah. Right it was named after the the stacks archetype. We, we we looked at magic like deck archetypes and decided to name it stacks. After that, Greg a lot is of like it in, a, in a glass
0: prison right now.
3: Yeah, or or, I, uh, or
0: a ghostly prison for nerds out there. All right, let's yeah, uh, yeah. now we're done. We're done with magic. We'll talk about that another time. Greg, you go ahead. Uh,
1: I don't. I don't know where to go. I know. Isn't there like a card called the Leviathan that's is like the greatest card ever? No, no, that's <laughs>
0: called Black Lotus. It's like twenty thousand dollars. Okay. So anyway,
3: don't want to get into that. Leviathan. Leviathan's a, 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 a just a monster. A, of a, a card.
0: great Not... card in nineteen ninety six. Let's move on. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> anyway,
1: welcome to a podcast about hockey and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, first question I have for you guys. Let's let's stay off the hockey topic. At one point, you guys were one person, and then you like osmosis into two people. What what's all that about?
0: So,
2: you probably ask that question a little
0: better.
1: No, I like how okay. They asked it. I'm no, no. It.
2: So I can. We were just trying to figure out who was going to. You know, we're trying to communicate. You know, with our eyes to figure out who's yeah, going to. No, you go. No, never mind. Oh, you go. So basically, what happened was we were just some wild fans like stats mostly in like baseball stuff but then like got into hockey and then got really into the hockey stats and there weren't any real like in depth like wild pe- like fans on twitter or people doing any charts that are specifically about the team so we just kind of just picked it up as a hobby like and we didn't really think it would be anything we just were like well we're just going to make kind of a Account And then just kind of fool around in Excel with downloading Corsica CSVs and just make some charts. And, uh, you know, then like most of the hobbies that we both do, it kind of spiraled into this obsession and kind of kept going longer and longer. And then it kind of became clear that, you know, we had been doing a lot of work and it was kind of unrealistic for people to think that only one person was doing All of the things that we are doing (laughs) so uh we just kind of decided at some point that like yeah we got it
3: yeah i guess just to clarify it was it was never really our intention to like you know be too, you know to try and like lie or kind of cover it up it was just like we just were like ah, let's just make one i don't want to have two and then we're like have to act like that it just seemed easier to make charts and whatnot under one account and then yeah we we it was really i think it was don't tell me a heart uh or dawson Spriggins he we would do some charts of his um, his old war model and that he would just use used to retweet them. And we used to, you know, that kind of started us off getting some followers. And then it was like, really just snowballed and happened really quickly where we got asked if we would be interested in, in writing for hockey graphs. And, and we didn't really know what to do, honestly. So it was this, like, we just kind of like, I don't really know either. We're going to, let's just go with this. And I don't know, like see what happens. And then we just kind of after about a year, I think it was about a year and it was, when was it last April or something that we kind of, you know, revealed that we were two people, um, which is an entire thing on itself. That was really funny. Um, but Yeah, we just decided that it was like dumb that we were like lying to people. It just didn't make any sense anymore. And we also kind of were at some point hoping to maybe meet some of the people that we'd gotten to know on in the hockey community. And we didn't we felt like it'd be weird if, you know, people first like thought they were were expecting to meet one person and then we both show up. So we just were like, we got to do something about this. So, yeah, that's that's kind of how that went.
1: So you're telling me you didn't just walk up to Sean Tierney one day in a bar and there were just two
3: of you and you could have just confused him to no end right off the bat. No, we we didn't do that. We actually thought it would be like we considered because there were a couple of opportunities we had to go see some people speak in like kind of the Midwest area or do some at some conferences or colleges. And we thought it would be kind of funny, but we also felt like, I don't know, you don't really know how people are going to react. And like, I don't know, some people like think,
2: you know, that, we, that stuff, like a lot of times, like people think it's all fun and games to like play tricks as twins, but a lot of the time it's just super awkward and it's and, really yeah. uncomfortable and it's kind for of everyone mean, involved.
3: It's kind of just mean spirited to like trick people, is kind of how we. And so we were like, man, we've just been doing this whole time. And so we just decided, you know what, like we, yeah, it could be a fun gag and maybe a funny story, but I don't want to like, like expect or I don't want to assume that whoever we would maybe do this to would be like okay with it. And so like, we were just like, no, let's, let's just. Let's just not. Eat I don't. I don't know.
2: The Parent Trap taught me
3: very different things about twins.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that movie lies to a lot of uh, people. Yeah. yeah, twins in
3: general are portrayed, I think, a lot differently than they normally are. Although, yeah, it. it but depends. normally is
2: very. It's there's no normal with. Yeah, twins are weird. Yeah, yeah. Twins are really weird.
0: We're weird too. It's not like. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, I'm like semi-married to Greg on accident. I know what it's like. It's terrible.
1: Okay. All right. <laughs> it was not was not my plan. It's one of those things that just kind of happened. And I mean, you know how it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Shall, we, shall we get into the actual hockey now that we've covered Magic, Twins? Um, I mean, it sounds tr- good. that sounds good to me. <laughs> um, how, how exactly – I know you guys brought it up saying that you, you were in the baseball stats first, you transitioned that into hockey because you were – there might have been a little bit of a void. What, what about the advanced metrics that you guys get into the nitty-gritty with really interests you in terms of hockey construction, roster construction with NHL teams?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the first one of the things that we both really loved about baseball was like the single number metrics, the war stat and and the way that that was constructed and also like the history and kind of really kind of the open source aspect of just the community kind of developing these statistics together. And we had kind of, you know, we've been we've only been on Twitter for I mean, it'll be about two years in the fall. But before I mean, we've been into a lot of the. Kind of more advanced metrics in hockey for a long time before we were just lurkers on random websites or on Reddit or whatever. And I think that when we first kind of saw, I know that the Warren Ice guys, like AC Thomas, um and Sam Ventura, they and uh um they had their own war metric, and then Dawson, as we mentioned, had his. And that was kind of the one thing that it seemed like this very large space that was not being filled. And I think it was something that was really that was really one of our biggest driving forces to like go into it more because we had been doing a lot of stuff with just looking at either Corsica or the um you know David Johnson's old site or some of the other sites and then kind of just doing you know when Warren Ice had their old site like just doing some charts or kind of trying to do some analysis there but I think looking at the amount of space there was to fill for some kind of war stat um really pushed us into like like about a year ago we both took on learning the language R and we've been doing a lot of work kind of with that and you know um, and so that was really, I would say, the thing that was has been kind of our driving force for doing more and more work is to kind of look into and or look at and explore what a, a you know, a war is wins above replacement, but some kind of like all encompassing player evaluation metric, what that looks like and how you go about doing that and all of the history and the philosophy that goes into creating that and like talking about that, I think is one of the most more interesting things.
2: Yeah, and I, I can just piggyback. I think like initially one of the things that kind of has always drawn me into like sports statistics is kind of like when you watch like in baseball, for instance, like, you know, we grew up watching the game and the the announcers would talk about batting average, right. And they talk about pitcher wins. And then if you read and kind of read about some things, you kind of realize that they're kind of lying to you a little bit. Like this isn't like true, like this doesn't matter. And so that was something that I think that I was really drawn to was like, well, hold on. Like these people were telling me this, but these people are telling me like, actually, no, that's not how that is. And so I think that's the same thing with hockey. Like I was really like into after wild games going on war on ice and looking at their shot metric charts that they would have for the teams and just kind of stuff like that, that I think there's a parallel there where the announcers are kind of lagging, you know, there's there saying plus minus and they're saying goalie wins and they're saying you know Are you trying to tell me plus minus
0: thing? isn't the end all be all <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah um. i am yeah i'm gonna say yeah yeah but Fuck, man no, it was just, all wrong yeah it was just mostly when you hear people talk about face-offs or stuff like that and, and, and it's like well you know it's kind of well this was in baseball like they kind of determined that you know certain things don't really matter that much that people had thought they did mattered. And so, well, what is that in hockey? And like, there are things like that in hockey that traditionally people thought it was really important. But then if you actually kind of go down the road of some statistical analysis, like people have done, you kind of can see some things do matter. Some things don't. And that's kind of been something that I just can read endlessly things about. So that's always just kind of, it's just, you know, just a hobby kind of thing. Well,
0: the world of hockey. St- are- oh, sorry, Greg, go ahead.
2: Yeah, I, I,
1: I just want to focus on war while we're on this topic. I Ryan and I, this is perfect because we're massive baseball nerds. And bef- before we were talking to you guys... Yeah, massive. Again, I, this is a hockey podcast, but we often talk about Mike Trout because what he's doing is just absolutely incredible. Um, how difficult is it for you guys in your model to compare what it is a defenseman does versus what it is a forward does versus what it is a goalie does? Like, how does how does war able to encompass all of the different elements of there's only six people on the ice at the time, but three of them are doing something very different than the other three. Two of them are trying to do something completely different than the center. The goalie, obviously quite stationary in terms of where he can go on the ice. What, what are the challenges of trying to say, here's Henrik Lundqvist's value to the New York Rangers and here how it compares to what Matt Zuccarello did last year.
2: Well, so that's kind of a really multifaceted question, but I guess I can kind of tackle like something that we in war, you would call the in baseball war you would call a positional adjustment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's something that's actually like, I mean, it's really complicated in terms of based on which specific model or how you are constructing your ho- your model in hockey. So like there are a bunch of different ways to do it. Like Manny has his war on Corsica, which is very kind of it's a unique take on um kind of the way the war on ice um did it with their model which is just a it's a re- i mean it's a regression that's basically kind of pulled from basketball um where it originally started but in that case if you do it that way where it's it's essentially the model doesn't know what position each player is playing and so it should be able to accurately Assign value to each position to each player, regardless of what position they play. And then mm-hmm. after the fact you could kind of like in baseball, I guess you would call it like an ad hoc adjustment where like catchers, right? Like the position is a lot more demanding. And so generally like the average for catchers is a lot lower in terms of like offensive output than the average for a first baseman, right? Like first right. basemen are much better hitters overall. And so the average, basically where you would need to get to to be average first base is much higher than a catcher. So they'll add an adjustment after the fact. So it's kind of like based on what your model determines is um, the value of a forward uh, defenseman. And then, I mean, goalies are a whole other problem. Um, <laughs> but like in terms of that, like you could develop a positional adjustment. Um, and so that would be probably one way to address it. But ultimately, like you kind of just hope that the model, is going to account for if it doesn't know what position a player is playing it should be able to like accurately divvy up the value and then after that if you if you're noticing that defensemen are coming in way a lot lower than forwards that's kind of something where you could potentially apply um you know some type of Positional adjustment, but like honestly, like that's kind of like past a point where like a lot of hockey like is because the war metrics like have come out and then the people have gotten hired and they've gone away. So like yeah. Warren Ices came out and then that went away because they got hired and then Dawson's came out and then that went away because he got hired and so Manny's just came out and so it's pretty new. So I think that there's still a lot of work there in like exploring that space. It's a really kind of can just keep going on and on
3: well i think also just to add to that i don't want to make our answers too long i guess that we're (laughs) we're taking a lot of time with these answers but i think the other thing that's important to remember at least i have to remind myself is that baseball is is um there's a certain kind of simplicity that's beautiful in the way that their war stats are in both baseball reference and fan graphs like they're it's i mean i luke and i talk about it in kind of more of a pen and paper like pencil and paper type approach that you can kind of um you know for the most part i mean still very complicated but it's not with hockey i think what we've seen pretty much every war metric has been has utilized some form of statistical analysis like an, an actual algorithm or a model um that where like
2: it's, that it requires yeah. some type of yeah, large so computer it, yeah, computer so it, program and
3: that's the code. thing i think you see people some people like it gets brought up but and especially with the advancement of more machine learning type techniques it it makes and computing power's way better or way but it's the game itself it's so hard to analyze like you it's not a bunch of binary you know like baseball is it's not a bunch of binary things it's it's this fluid very quick game and so i think it is it's very difficult and that's i think one of the really interesting things with hockey is when you're developing this there you know a lot of times you would think that there's a lot of you know that because it's a very statistical environment and you're making like there are a lot of philosophical decisions that you as the creator of the model have to are, are going to come up against and have to make decisions about and that's I think is a very interesting thing. I think within the realm of of sports analytics, it's kind of similar to basketball. But I, I don't want to go too long here. Do
1: we congratulate Manny now or later on getting hired by the Toronto Maple Leafs because <laughs> he came up with a new war
3: model? Oh man, I would love to see Manny working for the Leafs. I think he.
2: I think he would. I think he would uh, as a Senators fan, that wouldn't probably. Oh yeah, win. I guess that's <laughs> true. I don't think he really wants to go to Ottawa right yeah, now. Yeah, I was going to say. Call spade a spade on that one. Yeah, yeah, there are a little uh, dire straits yeah. over let's there. Just,
3: let's just hope that that Manny uh, enjoys working in the public experience, so we can have course go around forever. Yeah, Yeah, let's just, be- I'm
2: not going to think about Manny leaving for everyone's sake, I think.
0: Yeah, the <laughs> fact that you say that means he's getting hired. Like, that's a guarantee. <laughs> like, ooh, I have this great thing in my life? Yeah, he's gone. Like, that's just I know the way life is.
3: That's just how hockey stats go. I mean, the last like that's basically been the history of the of the whole field, if you will, quote unquote, has been basically, oh, this person did something really cool and they're gone. This person did something really cool. They're gone. That's like, NBA, oh, I too. Like, like, like everyone yeah. got oh,
0: gobbled yeah. up and hockey's like the yep. last. Well, I guess the NFL really is the last, but, but Phillies did it this year in the NFL. And I'm, I'm assuming you're going to see more of that going forward with that. But yeah. hockey is one of the last places where analytics are coming in. And you guys are sort of on the forefront of that.
3: Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah I with, mean, we're, yeah, I, I think that we're, I don't necessarily think of it as. We, I think
2: Well, we mostly just ticked up, picked, honestly, like we've just done a lot of reading on the things that the better people who have, you know, a lot like.
0: You start somewhere, who have, have you done.
2: somewhere. Yeah, exactly. But I'm, I'm just saying like a lot of really good work has been done in the past. And yeah. that's just something that we've kind of like really kind of dug into and tried to kind of continue and just kind of bring these models back to people so they can see them because you know i think a lot of fans just think oh well it's just you no know, yeah war models never going to be made or hockey's too difficult to, to measure or analyze with statistics and i just think most of that probably comes from the fact that just like if war on ice's war had been available from when they created it until now i think things would be a lot different in terms of a fan's view just because it wasn't around long enough for people to really get a feel for how it works you know the only
3: model that really was around for uh that was fully public and and the creator was was dawson's model was don't tell me our hearts model which was around for a full season two years ago and he would he released it every like it seemed like every month basically he would update it through the as the season went and i don't know as as a baseball fan i love i have always you know you know since i've gotten more into the more advanced stuff in baseball it was I mean, one of the first things I loved doing was going to like the Fangraphs leaderboard, like in June and looking at the world leaders and being like, oh, like, and just watching your or, favorite. Or like looking players, at Trout you know? right now. Yeah, like, uh, Trout you was know? almost like, <laughs> it's which, just so yeah, much is, fun. Is like, he he's up, just
2: crushing he everyone. Yet? Is
0: he over six yet? Like, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, 6.1 no. six six, 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 one right now. Yeah, yeah which is a,
3: insane. Yeah, it's like he's on top. not pace. even the All Star not I don't know. He at least has been the whole season, like, on pace to like one of the greatest seasons of all time. And it's like, I mean, top 10. So it's like, I don't know. I For me, it's just that this not only is it really interesting to think about how do you approach va- like a, a, an actual all-encompassing value of a player, but it also leads to these really fun and, like, some people don't like him, but I—I I mean, like honestly, like the end of this last season with the, the MVP debate, I'm totally there for all of that.
0: <laughs> like, I, I, I'm about lists I, and like listing players and ranking yeah. players. Like that's part of sports for me. That's really fun, I, and then that's yeah. why I watch sports because I like to debate yeah. stupid shit like that. So if know, you, if like, you want to talk Pantheon players, I'm there for you.
3: Exactly, and there's nothing better than having a war stat or some single number stat to then make a list. And then you don't necessarily like we did this. And it was really funny. Cause I think our, our, our heart based on our kind of, uh, it was a uh, very, well, it was the second version. We're coming out this summer, hopefully with our final version of our actual, like it's uh bar kind of war model type thing. And, I think at the time we had uh, our our MVP. Our, you guys actually might not like this either, but it was uh, I think we had Claude Giroux was our MVP for the year.
2: Oh. Uh, I think we had I think we had Giroux and then Couturier yeah. one two. And we got
3: a lot of that flag. was really funny. That was of, a good time. Yeah, that was yeah. Yeah, there's a the reason fun. you got shit for that. I, mean, I know. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. And it, it was. It's funny. not. It's not the players.
1: It's because of the market they play in. By the way.
3: yeah. <laughs> well, and so either that, way, and then but then there's a ton of like because then the the big you know what was the big day It was like and Hall mcdavid right i mean and then uh maybe couturier or i think Giroux is kind Giroux of Giroux is in and there Kopitar, and Kopitar, think, too but yeah. we
2: didn't have Kopitar that N- time. no so
3: but- i i just think like that stuff is it's the same thing with like miguel cabrera versus trout what like 2012 don't get me
2: fucking started we, uh, with
0: this
3: triple crown
0: fucking nonsense
3: in <laughs> in our group of friends that became
1: i i can't even compare that to what kind of conflict that was because it was uh it was a holy war that oh, that yeah. one was oh pun intended that was smart greg I like that one. Good one.
3: Uh-huh. And and But really, I think ultimately, and, and again, not to belabor this point too much, but it's just I find it really interesting because when you do something like that and you have those kind of debates, it forces people to really think about how they value players. And that is something I think that really is is good to do. Just even like I like to just kind of check myself, you know, twice, you know, every couple of months be like, OK, am, have I have my thoughts changed on how I should be valuing players? And it's I and it makes people who maybe don't think about it all the time actually think about what matters from a hockey player and like from a skater. And I, I think that that's like really good as a fan. I mean, for me anyway, it's, I think it's really important for me to constantly be reminded, like trying to, you know, define what value is from a player standpoint. I, I, I a, think,
0: OK, oh. I'm, I'm cutting you off on this one.
3: Oh, fine, fine, I fine. know.
0: Uh, I have an interesting question. How do you think the game of hockey has evolved analytically over the past couple of years? What what has been discovered in analytics that's changed the play on the ice?
2: Oh, that's a good one. So I, I think we both generally don't really focus more on like the, how has some type of, um, however the analytics kind of shaped the game. Like that's, we're more on like, just kind of trying right now we've been really focused on trying to measure what has happened. Um, but in terms of like kind of what I see, I think that a big thing has just been like, I mean, pretty. Just like, yeah. And and then also just like si- the size and speed of the players, I think, is really um like people have kind of seen that, like what happens when you carry a, a fighter or enforcer on your team and like how how much that can in, in, a, in a league that's so close. If you carry basically a, a roster position that's somebody who just plays like three to five minutes a game and fights like that can actually be a really big detriment. Tell you know, me about it. That, yeah. That could, what are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. And so that's one thing I think I that just immediately comes to mind would be kind of roster construction where the the league has gotten faster, players have gotten smaller. Um, it's a lot more skill based, more than it used to be. I think like I'm not we haven't been like hockey fans for like our entire lives, but like you know just kind of like even watching it, it's just it definitely seems like guys like Goudreau, um, Barzal, you know, yeah. Barzal like. Um, Mc, David. I mean, but um, yeah, really yeah. A... But like, just those kind of players. Even like, you know, Jared Spurgeon from, you know, the Wild, or or somebody like that. Like, smaller players, you know, can kind of, uh, kind of, kind of have been kind of becoming more uh relevant in a game because the just these giant people who hit people and fight have kind of kind of gone and away.
3: I, and I think the other thing too that I I think Luke would agree with too is I think there are teams who've really gotten on the the whole coursey thing which is just out shoot out attempt your opponents like that's a really good strategy and i think for the most point or most part that is i mean i think but you have seen that where now it seems like there are
2: well, it, like carolina yeah like Carolina's one of those I they think, were like what one of the top five on five coursey teams last year and they just were they could I so mean, now you
3: kind of seen it come back around for because for a while there were teams that were kind of going more that route of just trying to generate attempts and generate offense and out attempt you know have that differential like positive um and that worked, but now I think that there's the I think teams are now kind of started to react to that. And this was something we really found interesting, and it ultimately didn't really matter with the Wild this year. But how good they were at limiting like high danger or high like expected goal shots, like they were one of the best. I think this is this this year's Wild team is one of the like just an incredible defensive team. And But then on the the flip side of that, they had no offense. And so it's it's really interesting because I think there are kind of ways to deal with teams just essentially trying to approach the kind of that L.A. Kings kind of style, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and But so that that's definitely one that you'll see. Or, you know, or
2: also another one would be kind of like Ryan Stimson and Corey Schneider's yeah, work yeah. with the passing project and stuff and just kind of like showing the results that they've found where like passes behind the net um, or passes from behind the net to like, you know, like right in front of the goalie yeah, like yeah not, those not, are really good
3: like know? i'm not sure if that's actually been uh it, i would have to go back and look but i feel like i see more teams setting up like you know they're they're kind of working to try and get kind of like like sharp angles from t- in front of the net and like that because i think teams are starting to identify that those are really high danger shots and that kind of thing. get
2: the players out i don't of know position. if
3: that's how much that's changed but that's definitely something i've realized but that just might be me starting to view the game differently too
1: Yeah. And uh, to transition to going back to how we value all these numbers that we're coming up with, one of the things you guys have been doing this offseason that has been helpful to me, helpful to Ryan, helpful to a lot of people we talk to is you've been doing your um, contract prediction models. You and Matt Kane have kind of been at the forefront of trying to figure out what these guys are worth at market value for the talent they have been producing before we get into some of the numbers that those affect the Rangers, I know in baseball, we, we've, we've kind of narrowed down how much one win above replacement is worth. Uh, I think Fangraphs this year says it around $8 million. And obviously, the values are different because baseball doesn't have salary caps, so on and so forth. How close are we to figuring out how much on the open market one win above replacement is worth for, say, Jack Johnson?
3: Oh, man, this is a really interesting quick because this is one of the first things that we kind of we did with the war stuff was we did with with don't tell my heart's war model. We we actually did a full uh, like cost per win, cost per goal. And I'm I'm it's been a while. It's been like over a year. And and after the model went down, it just became useless, basically. But I, I mean, we're there if you have a like you can do it right now with Manny's war model is essentially you just get. Cap-friendly data um, or, you know, any contract data and just sync that up with war data over the last 10 years or 11 years. And you can essentially um, like you can find that value if you want. And I think I want to say for for because I actually just found it. Oh, we we did.
2: Yeah. So when we did it back with with Dawson's war model, we came up with um, an average cost per win of about four million dollars. And that was. Yeah, over the last nine—that was the nine seasons, so through the fifteen, sixteen season. So that—yeah, I'm pretty sure that was—yeah, that was about—it averaged out to about 4 million, 4.1 and million. I, I want
3: to say that the range in War—so like in baseball, it's it's generally 10 is around kind of the high end. Like you don't really get much higher than that outside of just some really freak seasons. Like I, I think that at least in the 10-year or 11-year sample, um, I think that in his model, the War— topped out i think crosby had a was it four did he get a yeah one, it
2: yeah. was like almost four maybe five so yeah, yeah it's and like that
3: was back in so I,
2: I think it's really comparable to how baseball works it's just that players play half the games that well right. yeah. so, so i think i want to
3: say that it, it it ended up being like i think one of the most valuable seasons was like was crosby's i can't remember the season exactly but it would have been around like between 16 and 17 million would have been basically what he was worth that year Ian, and this was probably back when the cap was a lot lower. So the percentage was way higher. So, yeah, we're, I mean, it's there, but it's it it like we were mentioning, it's hard because these war models, they're not all comparable. The win value is not always the same between them all. And it's it's that because you're dealing with like four wins versus like 10 or 13 in baseball, that even makes the margin at the end of it like the amount can really change depending on what metric you're using.
1: Are there players in this free? I mean, I'm saying outside of. The God, John Tavares, who is a future <laughs> Toronto Maple Leaf great at this point in time. Yeah. Uh, is is there value shopping in this free agent market? Or is it kind of, even with the salary cap going up, is it just you're paying for past performance and you don't want to sink $6 million into... I don't know why Jack Johnson is the guy I'm picking on today, but uh, <laughs> Jack Johnson is going to be the guy I'm picking on today.
2: Yeah, I mean... I don't know. It's if if you're really trying to get that impact big free agent signing, I think that it's you know it, it's going to be tough because the top ones we have are Tavares, Carlson, um, in terms of UFAs, is Carlson, Tavares, and then like Van Riemsdyk and James Neal. Evander Kane was hired. Yeah, but he's signed, signed already. And then like Paul Stastny, and then like Perron, Mike Green, Joe Thornton. Patrick Maroon. So I mean, it's like these players are kind of like not. You know, it's not like you're going to be unless somebody's willing to like offer sheet Mark Stone or William Nylander. They,
3: I mean, to be honest, that should be a thing that team should be worried about. Yeah, I like
2: I think that Stone, like Ottawa, really should be. You know like stone should be getting offer sheeted like honestly and, and, and so should you and Nylander probably pro- I mean Neilander's really good too so it's like I just think in this market though like a lot of teams are going to end up paying way more than they should be for like you know like you say Jack Johnson because like I mean, and, and
3: I would even argue that like I mean although I think John Tavares is a really really good player I I don't think paying over 10 million for him is is maybe the best you know like like that that's his value i would say is like i think that he's a he's a very good offensive player but he is 28 right and is that or 27 27. he'll probably be 28. yeah so when it starts and 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 but from a defensive at least from what we've looked at i think that there's still room for an argument here and we had some pushback when we were kind of bringing this up again but i don't i think you know johnny t isn't like the he's not a it, defensively he's pretty bad i mean compared to i mean but he is yeah.
2: elite like offensively yeah. but like for instance like if, if a player like what was the rumor was it like montreal somebody looking at jack johnson yeah
1: there was, that was the, montreal willing to go to six million for yeah, one and, year for jack johnson
2: and so we had him at 3.6 million was the projected which i i mean I think that's pretty high. Like I wouldn't want to pay Jack Johnson 3.6 million still. But that's even like, you know, teams are willing to pay and like what? Isn't Cody CeCe up like I mean, yep. I think some teams are going to make some absolutely terrible contract, like sign some terrible oh, yeah. contract. We're
1: living we're soft soft living season. in a world where I think Nick Holden is legitimately going to get $3 million dollars oh, soft.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, <Kill laughs> this me. is also The funny thing too is the cap is is it projected like 8182 right now? I can't remember where it is. Yeah. It's, it's, like very, very it's very high. And it's like, so that's a huge jump. So teams are going to, where the last two or three years, teams have been, a lot of teams have basically been like, they can't spend at all. I mean, there's some, there's some teams on the fringe that are like, maybe bubble. Like I could, even though the Wild aren't in a position, but like they have another, maybe another year, maybe two where they can maybe stay competitive. And this would be a time with like, what a, what is it, five or six or seven? Was that 75 last season? So yeah. it's like, I mean, you just have all of a sudden, you know, five or six or seven million dollars just handed to you. You know, a lot of teams are going to want to go out and spend. So it's kind of funny that the free agent class is really not anything this year. I mean, I think, is it, I don't know. I'm not quite sure when the next one will come around, but I don't, I think basically what we're, to answer your question, what we're saying is I don't think there's a lot of value in the free agent class this
2: year. Yeah, especially if like the highest, like like the mo- biggest profile defenseman is John Carlson. Like I think that's- Yeah, uh,
1: um, I have no interest in paying a single UFA
3: defenseman this year. Yeah. Contract's oh, be yeah. Insane.
2: It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be bad. I could see him getting over $8 million. I oh, think. yeah.
3: And, I mean, he, you know, and, and Which he's is fine, ridiculous, but yeah, it's not like, I mean, that's that's just the, you know, that that's just, yeah, I don't even need to go into this too much. <laughs>
1: um, so the thing that Ryan and I have talked about a lot on this podcast, and I think that most Ranger fans have focused on because I, all our free agents are restricted. We've been talking a lot about bridge deals, and you guys know more about the mechanisms of what looks like a good contract versus what doesn't. Can you give me a scenario where it makes sense? I'm not, this isn't a blanket statement because I think there's a difference between negotiating a contract with say Brady Shea versus negotiating a contract with Jimmy Vesey. Is there ever a defensible reason to give someone like Brady Shea or Kevin Hayes a bridge deal versus extending them long-term and upping the annual value of a deal without necessarily having a full track record of what this player is capable of
3: well i i I, brady shea is a really good example and we're big uh before this last season of course, we were you know he's a he's a good old minnesota boy uh and he was like really we had another metric that's kind of kind of fallen to the wayside called weighted points above replacement and brady shea was really really good in his uh was it two years i think at that point but um yeah
2: 16-17
3: yeah Yeah. oh yeah and uh so like like, but last year, I mean, what what we saw, I I, and I don't, you guys would know better than us, but I think he had a pretty down year compared to what a lot of people. That is were factually correct.
2: Yeah. yeah, I, mean, I think he was like really bad. Yeah, like it was a bad. And,
3: year. and so over the last three years, we've been running some uh, some kind of a, a is complicated, but one of our methods is which is built into kind of our war model is uh it's called a Rappel regression. But we've run the, over the last three years, um, he basically ends up looking straight across the board, like offense and defense, like pretty much average, like compared to the league, which I think, you know, so I think he's a really interesting player. And to be honest, like I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I don't really feel confident in saying that he's going to go one way or the other. Like, I I think I could see him turning into a really fun, really good, like, you know, fast puck moving defenseman who kind of gives you a lot of value. But I think based on last season, there's enough doubt right now that I could see him maybe not and so if you sign him to a 5 year or you know 4 to 6 year um you know deal right now and say and he just doesn't do anything and he's I mean, like
2: Nikita Zaitsev right? Yeah and
3: and how I just remind me again is he 20 24 24? I believe yep. So if you
2: get him on 2 years right well, What now, was what was his last contract? Was it a bridge deal?
3: No I think this
1: is his this first bridge. time approaching restricted free agency. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It was okay. on his entry level deal before this.
2: Yeah and I so I guess the it, it what do you so, think? What do you think about like? So I'm gonna just throw at like one year bridge at like two hundred two million mm-hmm. or two point five million. Is that like? That's scary. I would me. say if 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 you were gonna bridge him, it would it, you wouldn't want it more than like more than
3: two years. Two years, at most, right? Yeah. Because yeah. you know, nine nine twenty five right now. I think we had him at was it around two? Is that what we have him projected at?
2: Um, we have him at two point nine. Two oh two point nine. So and let's see what his. Cause we have some comparables yeah. and, built in here and in like the top five comparable contracts at his age, all of them were one or two year bridge deals that went from 1.2 to 2.5 million. Mm-hmm. That's what our comparable contracts were for him, which is like Cam Barker, Derek Forbert, Nathan Bellew, Jason Demers, Chris Butler. And uh yeah, so it's like, Based on where he's at right now, and then how similar he was to other players who signed signed contracts around his age, it looks like he's probably he's in line more to get a bridge deal than not. And and I guess the the one to to kind of get back to my initial answer is I I think
3: it generally I would I, I think it's really it especially in a cap era like the cap league it it I think maybe hurts you more if you get a guy like on a like kind of a value deal up front, like you would give like Shay. Right. I think it's kind of, I think about it like Coil, like Charlie Coral for the wild signed like a, I think it was a, was it five or 6 million, like 3.5 million contract, like a few years ago. And that's been fine. And that's, they, I mean, he's not like by any means an incredible player, but I think at the time they kind of, they, it was a bit of a gamble. Cause like he could have, I don't think with him. Well, but he, he
2: signed, I mean, it was a five year with a 3.2 million yeah. cap. Which so is if you like, can, re- I mean, if you can get Shay at,
3: at a maybe five by three like which i would be a ridiculous would, contract. yeah that'd be a, i mean i that's a really great value i think that you'd probably go with but if that av you know if, if you're going up to f- you know you want to do a four by or a, you know maybe five by five or five by four i'm not quite sure where what, what the speculation has been in the area but I,
1: it sounds like if the rangers want to go five years it's going to end up in that four million dollar range like oh, somewhere oh, between four and four and a half
3: i would do that all day, <laughs> we're, so that's the thing. Also, is that we're a little biased because I really like, I really like Jay. But, yeah, we
0: do too. In case you are wondering. <laughs> yeah, well, and, I, uh,
1: I guess my larger point was kind of. Ryan and I went in on this last week because uh, I'm sure you guys have interacted with Drew Way, who is yeah. the nicest human being I've ever met. Great guy, great which guy. Is, I don't understand why he hangs out with us. We're Same. Terrible. Don't <laughs> understand it. Don't get it. Um, we, we, I got into a point about how I just don't understand why you would bridge a player that you value as maybe not necessarily a foundational piece, but a piece to surround your foundation with. For example, um, I guess we can go back as far as two years ago when the Rangers had decisions to make with restricted free agents in Kevin Hayes and JT Miller. And in terms Miller at the time inconsistent, we didn't know what he was going to do offensively at the same time. At the same point, Elaine Vigneault wasn't necessarily giving him a whole lot of opportunities to show himself. And Kevin Hayes, a couple of years removed from college, we didn't know if he was going to ever take the leap forward in his game. And what the Rangers did was essentially say, screw it, we're bridging them both. And it presented a scenario where it felt like this year, the Rangers were never really in a position to ever pay both of them the contracts they now deserve because they were both bridged at the time. It It feels like to me... Those kind of players, and Brady Shea falls in that category, if you're going to bridge a player you see long-term value in, as in a guy you want to lock up through his prime, regardless of what may have been an up-and-down couple first years in the league, why would you ever bridge that guy? Because you're risking paying triple what you could just pay him right now.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I totally agree. Now that you kind of put it that way, and especially now, like, just I always, you know, I – the Rangers have so much cap space, right? Like yep. projected, so Cap is telling me five fifty million is the projected cap hit next year. Right. I mean, that's what they have. But even yep. still, they got all these contracts they gotta sign. But like, I mean, they're rebuilding and like but clearly I, into rebuilding mode. Like, if you want Shea, like just sign him, you know. Yeah, I
3: mean, but the thing so I to the end I think it really and this is, again comes back to how you value and player value and like essentially what you project that player to do and right i mean it is i think it, it depends on do you think lat what what's more indicative of brady shea is it his is it last season or is it what we saw before last season
1: and, i yeah i would i i know this is like more hypothetical you're asking as a person that had to unfortunately watch a lot of ranger games last year <laughs> uh i think i'm safe to say elaine vigno not exactly the guy yeah and, and,
3: and i i think i agree too so then if if I think it's mostly if, if the, like, I'm just, I guess I'm trying to use Brady Shea. I'm not specifically, I mean, talking about him, but I think a player like him is kind of, especially a young defenseman who isn't necessarily like, uh, has had coming off a down year. Right. I mean that. And I think that you, he's still like, he's still, you know, he's got a couple more years till he's, you know, he's around, you know, two or three years kind of under his peak around maybe, maybe he's at it depending on how you view that, but it, like I, I think there's a lot of upside with him, and I would probably it's kind. Of, I think it's kind of a risk reward thing, but I would probably go with the longer deal if you can get it lower. But the issue is then if you think if you have any like doubt with another player, for instance, say that you know if if you're valuing them properly and you think that you know where they're at, I think in this situation it's generally probably better for a team if they have the room to go longer term lower value than like a bridge deal because you're right like after a year or two like and this is what happened with the wild or you know but you see this with a lot it's that un, unproven players if you sign them for one or two and then they all of a sudden explode jacob true i'm yeah.
1: not calling brady shay jacob true i'm just saying <laughs> there's a guy that signs for two years three million dollars annually and how the wild are in a position where they're gonna have to trade someone because they can't afford everybody
2: yeah. Well, and that's kind of like the wild have a very similar situation with Jason Zucker right now. Cause he signed, he's, it's the exact same thing. Like he signed a $2 million bridge deal for two years when he was 24 and now he's up for a contract. And I mean, he's, he's been very good the last two seasons and the two seasons before that he was kind of not quite as good. And so now basically they could have locked him in probably five or six years at, you know, four and a half million. And or four. Even. Or four. And instead, they're going to have to end up paying him probably six million a, a year. And so that's the thing is that like, I, you know, it, that's something that definitely happens. But also at the same time, I'm sure that the team, you know, they might be happier to go that route than to sign a player and get in an, like a Nikita Zaitsev well, situation. Right? And I
3: think I think the other thing to take into account too is is where is where is the team in terms of its like its strength? Like where are they going to be competitive? Do you expect the team to be competing? Like, you know, are they going to be in the playoffs next year or can you project that? Like if it's if that or are they like say like there's a couple teams that maybe have just been kind of riding the one or two year window and they kind of keep extending that. And if like like older teams for instance, if that that's where you are, maybe you don't want that player maybe you want to be able to trade that player for an asset say say you're, say your two options if you sign a bridge deal as well we get some really good value and our team surprises or does better than we, we maybe we're expecting or the other option is then at the end of that we can trade that player's rights or you know we can trade that player before you know because we're, we're not going to be good anyway so why do we want that maybe we can get some picks from it so like i think it also depends on that like i'm not quite sure like where do you guys think Like what's the Rangers like outlook look like next year or two or three years forward? Like where is the what do you think the best approach for them is?
1: Ryan, Ryan and I have disagreed on this. I, I personally we the Rangers are in a position where flat out we just don't know. Like we need them to make a trade or figure out what they want to really do on draft day. As we talked about this before you guys came on the pod, the Rangers are the weird team where every team hopes to have one of three things, right? Draft picks, cap space or movable young assets on their NHL roster, the Rangers have all three. And they they can trade two of their later round draft picks and a veteran for a controllable defenseman. Or they can trade rostered players for more draft picks. Or they can absorb bad contracts and get young prospects to take those contracts off other teams' hands. I think the most optimistic Ranger fan would see this team making a big move for a defenseman, say, Oscar Clefbaum or Adam Fox in Calgary and signing him to an entry-level deal and maybe signing Ilya Kovalchuk and keeping Matt Zuccarello and extending Kevin Hayes. And then all of a sudden you might be talking about maybe a, a card team. I think more realistically, I, I don't think this team is a playoff team next year, and I don't think they're really trying to be one. So if as a team not trying to make the playoffs with – it what feels like seven restricted free agents that they have to figure out answers for. I, I Honestly, the reason why we bring guys like you on this podcast is because we have no idea what the Rangers are doing, <laughs> and we don't know how else to explain that. So we try to have yeah. someone else explain it to us.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just funny because, like, you know, we're, you know, as much as I try to be up on the rest of the league, like, you know, we watch West Coast game or, you know, Western Conference games, and so we're not super... In, you know, and I, I work a little later sometimes, and it's hard to catch the but East Coast games, like But we're definitely like
3: in in with some of the some of the New York, like some of the Rangers
2: writers, and I like, you know and, follow a lot of people. And I mean, I I've always been a huge fan of Chris Kreider, like in terms woo, of his play. My boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I know Chris Kreider is kind of a world beater a little bit. Um. Also, Shattenkirk. I mean, I Shattenkirk's really good. Like, I think he had a really down year last year, but generally, I think Shattenkirk's been really good. And I mean,
1: but crazy thing happens when a guy tries to play on one knee; he's just not as good as he usually is. Yeah, (laughs)
2: imagine that. But I mean, I think that the thing is that, like, if like I think you have kind of like you know a lot of these players. I'm assuming Cody McLeod's not coming back, right? God,
1: I hope not. That'd be just wonderful if he did.
2: But I think like a lot of the guys that I'm like seeing our IFAs like Ryan Spooner, uh, Jimmy VC, uh, um, like I just kind of like think that those guys are somewhat kind of like you could get some value there, and you're not really going to well, lose that much. I think one of the one of the ones I've I've been looking at a
3: little bit is and I you correct me if I'm completely wrong, but I feel like Jimmy VC's value has to has to be higher than his actual value because I don't I look at Jimmy VC and I don't I don't mean I don't I don't. I haven't watched a lot of him, but there's not a lot going on there. That makes me think this guy's a really great player. So I think I, and you, I don't know if that, if that, is that a hot take? Cause I kind of want to I, know. I don't,
1: I, I think Ryan and I have talked about him being a bottom six
3: forward. Moving okay. Forward. And, but I think because he had a little bit of, he's got some name recognition. I know there was some stuff around him kind of him signing, right. Yeah. Whatever. And then, so it's like, but I, like
2: I, you could maybe take like, advantage of, you know, yeah. somebody in Montreal who might think, you know, he's got a name uh, that was going around and you might think he's pretty good. I mean, I just think take
0: advantage of Montreal. Come on, man. It's too soon.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I
3: think I was, I was saying that I think that there's some, I think there's definitely some players on the Rangers. When I was looking when we were kind of going over this, that I think are, maybe there's some value there that you could, that you could get and you could kind of start to, to maybe, maybe start investing in, in the future. But like you were saying it, like it, it is like, it's almost when I was, when we were looking through this the last few days, it, it does kind of seem like this big chasm of like, who has a fucking clue what no is going to happen? Guys, yeah, I, I yeah. hate to
0: cut this short, uh, but we've been going for a while now.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry.
0: Uh, <laughs> which is no problem. I, I would love, seriously, love to have you guys back on. It, later, oh, later. absolutely. Later in the summer, we have nothing. To talk about well,
3: like well, yeah. nothing, no, yeah. So, maybe we can draft, we can do some magic.
0: <laughs> uh, if you think I'm not sending you pictures of magic cards after this, you're crazy, dude. <laughs> so, um, well, plug your shit and then we'll, we're gonna have a part two with Evolving Wild for absolutely certain.
3: Well, that's yeah, that sounds great. I mean, again, well, first of all, thanks for having us on. It's, it's, uh, I mean, we've been following your, your guys' stuff for a while now, and it's really great to kind of interact with you know, and like we, like, like we were saying. You know, it's it's we don't have it's it's just interesting when you kind of follow people who know the team and you look at something and then you talk to and hear and read and about other people who know it and comparing that, it's it's really great. But um, yeah. So f- first of all, thanks for having us. Uh right now we just put out uh our expected goals model. Uh we released it on um on Twitter, but it's on an R uh write-up with it's pretty code intensive, but it, I think it, it's pretty interesting. You can skip some of the code chunks and get an, a pretty interesting idea. If you have an, if you're really interested in how expected goals as a model is created, you see that metric a lot. Um, I think that it's, it's interesting to look through kind of what goes into making that and like determining that value. So that's up. Uh, it's on Twitter. Um, uh, Luke, you go. You do something.
2: Oh well, yeah. I mean, we're just at evolving wild on Twitter. We write, um, you know, occasionally uh, we'll you know put up eight thousand word posts on hockey graphs. Super casual, and uh, yeah, and then um, we're yeah we're working on a um, Gar model, goals above replacement model that we're hoping to have done in a month or two. So that'll just keep a lookout. Be on the lookout for that because that'll be coming out and hopefully have it in production uh, for next season, so people can follow along.
0: Awesome, man. Really appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, I know we we said 20 minutes. We did 50. So uh, You can
2: thanks. cut it down if you need yeah. to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no,
3: no. you,
0: you think I'm going to give myself extra work? You're fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's not happening. Everyone's going to listen to this whole conversation and like it. Alright, yeah, guys.
1: People are going to listen to all this and then they're going to get tired of us and all they're going to miss is us talking about the World Cup after <laughs> this interview. Yeah, seriously,
0: they, <laughs> well, and we thanks, talk, thanks for having us. Too. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you very much. Alright, thanks guys. We'll talk to you soon.
2: Yeah, definitely. He's
0: out. All right, we're back. Thanks to the guys from Evolving Wilds for coming on and talking about all the analytics and everything they do. Awesome guests. Uh, let's talk about our five-star question of the week, Greg. We missed out. You know, you were thinking last week. We answered all those questions. We took all those mailbag questions. There's no way we're gonna have a five-star. Well, guess what we do? BL Smooth Two Fourteen says, "Great pod, sixty-nine, nice. I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, Never miss an episode. Great pod. Ovi's developing love affair with the cup had me dying. Anyway, I had two questions." Butchnevich and Nemestikov seem similar, if they are, uh, in that they are setup men. You guys seem pretty hot in trading Vladdy. Do you think that's because we're lacking finishers of the same mold as Kreider to be counterparts to Vladdy? Should we wait to trade him if see if he has chemistry of any of the new guys? Uh, let's answer that question first. This is the second one too.
1: So I don't, I don't necessarily know if
0: I, I don't think
1: we've seen enough from but, Butchnevich. Is a playmaker. I have no problem calling him that. I don't know if he's. Like adverse to scoring goals, I don't think that's the case. I just don't think he's been put in a position to succeed. Whereas Vladdy, Vladdy, it, I don't want this to come off as saying, "Well, oh, he needs star players around him to be good." But I, I do think, I think a rising tide raises all boats with Pavel Buchnevich. Like he's good enough to make the other two players he's playing with look better. Whereas Vladdy, I think, will just play to the level of his line mates. Yeah. If so if you're playing
0: sense. with two amazing all-star, possibly hall of famer hockey players, you're going to be really good at hockey. Turn- well, not
1: just, not just that you, if you put Vladdy on a line with say, Kreider and, and Kreider. Yeah. Gonna great, like oh, he's going to be fine. Center, yes. I don't think he's a problem. I don't know if he necessarily, the difference between Vladdy and Buch in my mind is if you put Buch on a line with Zibanejad and Kreider, I think he makes those players better. Whereas if you put the on a line with Kreider and Buchnevich, I think he's going to simply help those guys play at the level they're comfortable at, if that makes sense at all.
0: I, I agree with you. Second question. Is Shattenkirk even on this team anymore? No one seems Sorry. to be talking about him. When, when he was one of the best offensive defensemen in the league. Oh, so no one seems to be talking about him when he was, okay, I guess he's saying when he was one of the best offensive in the league. Being an older voice in the room, what should we expect from this guy going forward? Thanks, guys.
1: No one's talking about Shattenkirk because they're not trading Shattenkirk. Right now we're only talking about players the Rangers could theoretically trade, right? We're not really having discussions about who's going to be a significant portion or a significant player on the New York Rangers next year, except for the guys who are less than 100% on this team. We're, we're talking about Kevin Hayes, what kind of role he can have on the Rangers moving forward. We're talking about Brady Shea, what kind of role he can have on the Rangers moving forward. We're talking about Jimmy Vesey. We're talking about Vladdy. We're talking about Spooner. What do all these guys have in common? They might not be Rangers next year. Whereas Shattenkirk 100% will be a New York Ranger next year. So right now we just don't have to talk about them because we'll figure that out as soon as we figure out who else is going to be playing with him, right? Right now, the only players gun to my head I say would be New York Rangers next year, Henrik Lundqvist, Kevin Shattenkirk. Brandon Smith <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. You could you could do a salary jump with Brandon Smith if you take on a higher salary. Mark Stahl, uh, by
0: the way, I called it a year ago. We're not buying him out. It's just not happening.
1: Yeah, probably not.
0: We're not. I mean, I called it, man. That's my that's one of my good calls.
1: Congrat! Congratulations, I, you got I, you got, got a Mark Stahl take. I, I got
0: one out of one fifteen. Pretty good.
1: Um, I am proud of you. Uh, I am the Chris
0: Davis yeah, so, batting average.
1: So I guess the, the but even then you could still I don't know somehow find a way to trade Mark Stahl. I don't know how you're going to do it, but shit, I've seen crazier things. Yeah, I, Lundquist and Shattenkirk are probably the two guys gun to my head. I said would I say will be New York Rangers next year. Ninety nine percent sure that Zibanejad and will be Rangers, but there's still a one percent where I'd be like. Well, you know, it could happen. It, there's a trade out there that could happen. Yeah, It's just it's just not the time of year we need to be talking about Shattenkirk. We're going to talk about Shattenkirk a lot in training camp because he's going to be skating on a new knee. He's likely going to be skating. If he's not skating with a new defensive partner, he's at least skating with a newly paid defensive partner, which is Brady Shea. So we'll, we're going to have a lot to talk about with Shattenkirk. We just don't need to do it right now because he's not going to get traded.
0: I agree. Uh, that was from BL Smooth Two Fourteen, who I talk to on Instagram all the time. outs. Um, I think that's. Oh, I have one more question. I thought I was done, but we're not. We have one from New York Rangers Seventeen. Serious talk. You are both incredible and have complimentary personalities, which makes general talk and Rangers talk that much more fun. Love the podcast. Keep doing what we're doing. We will. I will. We'll keep doing it.
1: I really uh, don't like Ryan. <laughs>
0: It's like, it's the truth. Uh, also, I don't know why in the previous mailbag, you you didn't say Gretzky was part of your top six. We should touch on this because we got a lot no, of shit. No, we should. We,
1: we, we did get shit for this. We
0: got a lot of shit for this. So, Wayne Gretzky, the great one. No, yeah. Hands down, the best hockey player of all time. Literally no argument. There's, nope. no, there's no LeBron MJ here. Greatest <laughs> hockey player, no doubt about it. Number one. But when he was on the Rangers, I, the way we worded the question or the way we read the question was... We took it as Rangers in their prime, and Gretzky's last stop was the Rangers. And yep. and even though he was still the great one and still an incredible hockey player, I took it as Ranger greats, and that's why I didn't put Gretzky on the top six.
1: Yeah, Gretzky, when he came to the Rangers, was Jordan on the Wizards. He was still an above-average hockey player. He just wasn't Wayne Gretzky anymore.
0: Yeah, he, he was incredible. It's not like yeah, he wasn't. If-
1: it's not if you wanted to give us mid-80s prime Wayne Gretzky, uh yeah, no, he'd be in our top 6 for sure. I don't have a problem saying that. In fact, I'd feel comfortable just skating Gretzky out there and I think I'd be fine. But at the same time, <laughs> That's true though. Yeah, the way the way I interpreted the question was players in the prime of their Rangers career. So you have to take them for what they were on the Rangers, not for what they were um before dur- or after their Ranger career. So to me, Gretzky, above-average winger. Uh, that that, considering that feels age, so
0: weird to say. Gretzky, yeah, considering, above considering his
1: age and the miles he had on his legs and his legacy, I don't think you can complain one second about his tenure as a New York Ranger. At the same time, I don't think it was better than his Yamir Yager. I don't think it was better than Mark Messier. I honestly still don't think it was better than Marion Gaborik, who I put up there. I don't think it was better than Adam Graves. I think you can make a case for Kovalev. It. It was, I don't know, how much different was Gretzky on the Rangers than Zook, if we're being honest?
0: Uh, That's something we'll dive into, and I'm sure people will flame us for. Now this person says, all right, let's get to the real question. I think we all want to know. What's the best 90s Nickelodeon cartoon, and why isn't it Rocket Power? It's definitely not Rocket Power.
1: It is. It's not Rocket Power. It's not. And and that comes from a guy who loves Rocket Power. I love
0: Rocket Power. Wiggity, wiggity, wiggity. But... It's not even top five. <laughs> it's, like, not even close.
1: Uh, shows I would put ahead. Uh, Rugrats, Rugrats, to is me. Like,
0: it's, like, a hands down. It's, like, not yeah. even close.
1: Rugrats, Angry Beavers is up there Rock, ahead of Rocket Power in my mind.
0: The Angry Beavers theme song is an all-time theme song. Like, just the theme song that will get stuck in your head for the rest of the day if you turn it on. It's, like, not even – it's amazing.
1: I uh, think Doug is criminally underrated.
0: Uh, no, Doug isn't properly rated and actually overhyped at some points because Doug is so good.
1: Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think it's talked about enough in I, modern culture.
0: I, 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 think it's because, and this is because Disney bought Doug, thinking it would be like this thing they could run with, and kind of become a Disney reoccurring cartoon, and then they totally, they totally ruined it. Like they ruined yeah. the mystique and the weirdness and the greatness of Doug. Rocco's Modern Life. Oh my goodness, what that's, a
1: show! That's, that's high up there. Um, yeah, no, I, Rocket Power, incredibly enjoyable show. I would never change a channel
0: from it. I was never like, "Ooh, Rocket Power!" I'm going away from this. It's
1: not, but it's it's like, and SpongeBob has taken over. SpongeBob is
0: the '90s, though technically.
1: No, and it's what? Hey, Arnold! Right? I'm putting Hey Arnold on Rocket Power.
0: Oh, Hey Arnold! That's like the top five right there. I mean, Hey Arnold is an all-time show. What an incredible like piece of art! Hey Arnold is.
1: Hey Arnold's one of those weird. It's a, weird as in, I remember exactly where I was when I first saw the very first trailer for Hey Arnold. It was in a movie theater. I don't remember the movie I was seeing. Like, I remember nothing about the movie I saw. I remember seeing the first Hey Arnold trailer, though. And I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm going to watch that.
0: I'm going to watch that. You know what is strange, though? If you type top Nicktoons into Google, Rocket Power comes up first. That's weird. Hmm. Um, but yeah, Rugrats, Rocket Fun Life, Hey Arnold, just Angry Beavers, just I think just School, Rocket Power. It's not even close.
1: Yeah, and again, not a not a knock. And if you wanted to encompass like all animated those type of TV shows, got to talk Recess. I don't think we, if people talk enough about Recess.
0: I've never gotten to Recess.
1: Oh come on! Missed
0: out on Recess. I know. gotta. I, not too late. It's never too late. With the internet, you could binge anything at any single point in time. And I'm so Fresh Prince. <laughs> Fresh Prince
1: is coming to Netflix.
0: I'm so far behind on every show of all time. It's killing me. I don't. I don't I just don't do it anymore.
1: Mm, don't know what to tell you there. I still haven't started Westworld.
0: Uh, I'd be either. Uh, we missed one question from one of our Discord people last week. Mace Mason. He says because okay. I know you've been out of uh been out of the U.S. Favorite non-U.S. holiday slash vacation destination, Montreal. <laughs> I'm all about Montreal. I love that city, man. Um, uh, but uh, I, I but, mean, I'm
1: going back. I'm going back to Brazil before I'm going back to Montreal. Uh,
0: if, if I'm going to be real, I'm going back to Oktoberfest before I go anywhere else because Oktoberfest is an unreal experience. It's just—it's almost unfair how fun it is. It's—it's hmm. it's really like—it's uh, a city that's a carnival that's tense, full of the best beer, people dancing and in silly costumes. I couldn't ask for more.
1: Was there Pabst Blue Ribbon at Oktoberfest?
0: No, man, you know that. Then I'm not interested. <laughs> I know, I'm aware.
1: I'll bring my own thirty.
0: Um, is there any other nonsense we went to hit on this week?
1: Uh, I don't know. What did you, What, what I, happened I, this week? I don't really
0: have a good. Oh, the World Cup happened, but I'm, have you been watching? I have.
1: Have Have you been following along the things we told you to follow along?
0: Uh, the players, not as much, but I have uh seen the teams, and I know I when Mexico won, I was like, ooh, this is a big deal. It was a big deal. And uh, Iceland tied slash one.
1: That was a big deal.
0: That was a big deal. So I have to take Uh, attention. You guys did a good job in educating me on getting ready ready for
1: it. So I saw, I believe it was on Reddit today, that uh, the geological centers in Mexico registered a false earthquake when Mexico scored their goal in the first half.
0: That's amazing, by the way. Good for them. (laughs)
1: They they got on the Richter scale. Congratulations.
0: Hard to do since 95. That was a terrible Mm -hmm. Ranger joke.
1: That was um, not a great, not your best.
0: Nope, not at all. uh I don't really have a who the f is BSB this week. I know how sad. No updates on my family. My dad's still gone. My uncle's still missing. I mean, he's not missing. I just I don't worry. Is I won't contact him because that's creepy. And,
1: yeah, and
0: uh and that's it. I don't have anything else, so I'm good.
1: Yeah, I I don't. uh The Mets still suck. Yeah, they that, do. That's that's fucking terrible. Yep.
0: Um, Sonaka being out sucks. What
1: question? More impressive feat. Mike Trout, jake Jake Degrom.
0: <laughs> that's my answer. <laughs>
1: It, uh, it, that's the question, though. Is it Jake ground posting an ERA under one and a half over his last eleven starts, and the Mets only winning twice, or is it Mike Trout, Mike Trout, going batting, four of nineteen with four home runs, batting and seven hundred,
0: and they going one and five? Yeah, I'm gonna go Mike yeah. Trout. Yeah.
1: It, uh, but, uh, but here's the thing:
0: he's bat seven hundred last week, right?
1: Sure, but <laughs> say he, if he's the only guy producing in the lineup, and the pitching staff is giving up runs, then I get it. You can have one hot hitter and not win ball games. It's hard not to win ballgames when your pitcher is literally only giving up one run.
0: I'm, I'm like, the top. I'm not the top, but I'm definitely, like, I'm a card member of the Mike Trout fan club, and it's going to be hard for me to not pick him, just out of straight bias.
1: It's, how many games have we played this year so far? Like, 70? He has
0: 6.1 F four.
1: That's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, he's double, That's, double the second uh, player.
1: What, I'm I'm going to look this up while we're doing it. I'm trying to think of uh, Bonds at his peak, what his best war season 13.3. was. 13.3. He's a little, a little behind pace.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I looked it up the other day. I'm pretty sure it's the, the
1: difference is Trout probably not hitting 73 home runs and also not getting walked at a 7, 70% clip.
0: Yeah. I don't know why they're not walking Trout. Uh,
1: well, I mean, would you want to pitch to Cole Calhoun?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah that... the, the all-time war season is Babe Ruth with 14.1. What was near that
1: when he set the record?
0: That was 1923. The Mm -hmm. Barry Bonds season 2002 is 11.8. Bonds doesn't have one higher than 11.8. Oh, he does. 11.9, 2001.
1: What did you do? What did you do in 04? Wasn't 04 his 73 season?
0: Uh, The Barry Bonds 04 season, I'm looking, uh, is is 10.6.
1: Guess his defense fell.
0: Trout is on pace for the highest WAR season of all time.
1: Is he on pace for fourteen? North of fourteen?
0: Well, the highest is fourteen point one. There's still like a month before the All Star break.
1: Yeah, but it's not the All Star break. Care about it's the eighty one game mark, and he's only got like, I mean, Mike Trout would be the guy that could add a war, win and a half to his war in the next 10, eleven 12, games.
0: 12 days.
1: Yeah, if if anyone can do it, it's Mike Trout. Right. Um,
0: he's a fucking monster. God,
1: it's such a bummer that Otani got hurt. That team could have been fun.
0: I know. Um, and now the
1: Mariners are going to win the wild card. The Astros are going to win the division.
0: Before we go, uh, we'll be at the draft party this Friday in New York City. I know. So that's the thing we're doing. If you're happy, if you happen to be at the MSG draft party, let us know. Or if even if you're around the city, I mean, some people have messaged me on, on Reddit and be like, "Hey, you're going to be around? We'll be around." So if uh, if you want to say hello, I might hang out afterwards elsewhere. I might hang out with the Garden Faithful guys. I might go to New Jersey. Who knows so uh i'll keep it uh, keep us updated keep us in touch on twitter and we'll we'll see you guys at the party we're definitely going to try and get pictures with hedel and, and anderson and get them to sign our bsb shirts so that's my plan at least
1: i just plan on being sober uh, that's the bare minimum i'm setting for myself just but want to be sober
0: you're gonna be sober
1: yeah have you ever tried buying a beer at at the garden mm-hmm. in any kind of venue
0: mm-hmm. yeah I'm gonna how much money
1: do I'm you think gonna, i have uh
0: uh, I know the answer. The answer is not a lot. I know the answer. The, is not okay, not a lot. We're getting out of here. Um, got two kids to pay through college. Yeah, <laughs> college is cheaper <laughs> in Brazil. Thanks Brazil and Montreal. Hey, free healthcare. All right, we're out of here. I love you guys. Talk to you later. break breakaway on Twitter. Uh, Bullshit break on Twitter. break breakaway on Instagram. Love you. Bye.